0: Hey everyone, and welcome to season six of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. My name is Hunter Thrasher, and I'm going to be your guest host for this season while we chat with millennial pastors within the Church of the Nazarene who are on a mission to change the way the church interacts with the community that they are a part of. We're going to listen to their stories, how they've grown in their ministry throughout the years, what is exciting them. Um, what are some of the unique joys and challenges that they are experiencing in their ministry today, and how they're reshaping the way that they were taught to pastor to fit the new age that we find ourselves in, in America today. For Episode 3 of Season 6 of the Millennial Pastor Podcast, we are introducing a new co-host. I'd love to introduce you today to my twin brother, Hayden Thrasher, who's going to be helping me interview the remainder of the pastors throughout the rest of Season 6. Hayden is a software engineer in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I'm asking him to interview these pastors with me because I feel like he can bring a great perspective to some of these interviews, and I'm excited to introduce him to you today. I hope that you enjoy our conversation together as we dive into his ministry right now within the Church of the Nazarene as a layperson, um, the specifics about what we see in the church of today, and some of the areas that we think could be improved. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Season 6 of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. The Millennial Software Engineer Podcast. (laughs) We have a special guest with us here today. Um, His name is Hayden Thrasher, and like you just said, he is not a pastor, and that last name may sound familiar to some of you. Um, He is my twin brother, um, but I have invited him on for a very special reason. I'll let him smack talk a little bit about it um, in just a second. But he's going to be helping me interview the, the next three guests on season six of, of this podcast. So I wanted to take an episode and just introduce him to all of you um, so that you would kind of get to know both of us a little bit better as we continue to interview some pastors around, uh, around the country. But go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure, like you said, uh my name's Hayden Thrasher and, and I am by no means in no way, shape or form a pastor of any kind in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm a software engineer with a company here in Little Rock in Little Rock, Arkansas. I live in Greenbrier, Arkansas. Um, and, uh, really I, I've been a long time listener and I'm a first time caller of the M- millennial pastor podcast. I've been listening to it for as long as Hunter's known jo- Josiah. I think I've been listening to the podcast as soon as I found it. Uh, and Hunter told me he was going to be uh, hosting the podcast for, uh, a few <laughs> weeks ago. And, uh, I said, you know what? Hey, I, that sounds pretty hard. If you need any help, let me know. And then, uh, he never heard, I never heard back from him. And, uh, Two weeks into the podcast, he said, hey, Hayden, I'm going to let you help you help me by uh, interviewing you for next week's podcast. So here we are, the Thursday <laughs> after Nicole's episode, recording this episode to be released next no, Wednesday. No, you're not supposed to tell him that. Well, that's okay. <laughs> well, uh, I've asked Hayden here just to give us a, a different perspective of, of ministry and, and the life of the church. He, uh, like myself, has been involved in the church since uh, basically the moment we were born. And but he brings a, a laity perspective, I think, and also a, a, just a unique vision of what the church can be and could be. And also, I think as we as we dive into some more of the interviews over the rest of the season, he's going to um, he's going to help lead the conversation along and help get me some of out of my, out of my ma- mindsets and bring some new stuff. So, uh, Hayden, you introduced yourself a little bit about, but how would you describe um, your current role in the Church of the Nazarene just kind of talk a little bit about that about how, how you see yourself what what is God calling you to um, in the church right now well I thought a lot about this uh, question since you sent it to me at four o'clock today and I was uh, as I was thinking about it uh, I was I was really thinking you know the first part of that question is, who and what is God currently calling to me, me to be in the Church of the Nazarene? And the role that I see myself playing is is really just a role that's inside our individual church, really. Uh, to me, and we'll, we may talk about this later on, I'm sure we'll talk about this further, but to me, one thing that at least I think our district could improve on is our ability to uh, reach out to lay people, to just members of the churches and, and, and really strengthen the bond between churches in our district. I think that... Um, that and in terms of relationships between churches in our district just a regular church member doesn't have a lot of opportunity um to to uh to to meet other people in the district or to interact with them but in terms of my local church i I, am many many things and and you know this and people who know me uh, know this i've led worship for many years um playing keys and drums or whatever's really needed and, and singing uh okay let me stop you though um and let me just ask you, like, why are you still a part of the Church of the Nazarene? Like, well, yes, we have both grown up in that. And I have, I have my own answer for this. And, and yeah, our, our journeys probably look pretty similar um, to each other. But okay, we, we went to college. You had an opportunity to not be Nazarene anymore. What, what is it about the denomination or the church that kind of draws you in? Sure, and, and you talked about in your episode with Josiah, I guess probably three, four years ago, I think, and I'm hoping my memory serves me correctly. You talked about how we had an opportunity whenever we went to college. We both went left Greenbrier, Arkansas, went to Fayetteville um, to uh, the University of Arkansas. And we had an opportunity to really figure out, like, what we wanted to do. Did we want to keep going to church, period? Did we want to go to a Nazarene church? Did we want to go to a, a bigger uh, n- non-denominational or other denominational church, right? And we both took similar paths in um, picking the Church of the Nazarene. But then I had an- another experience afterwards, uh, after we graduated, and, and you graduated a year before me, but I had another experience after graduation that, um, that is different from yours. I actually moved from Fayetteville to Little Rock and um, in doing so, I had I was presented yet again with another opportunity where I I, I could kind of choose my own path, and I could choose to uh, you know go to a different church, to go to church period. And what kept drawing me back about the Church of the Nazarene specifically was not only was I raised in the Church of Nazarene, not only was I extremely familiar. With the things that, that with the theology of the Church of Nazarene, but it, it kept appealing to me. Uh, things like the uh, the ability for in our theology for us to, to to disagree on some things as long as we agree on the important things, right? Um, the uh, the doctrine of the Church of Nazarene kept pulling me back. You know, I attended. Uh, a couple Baptist churches in Little Rock, a couple Methodist churches, and I even I thought I I, I tried to find some Nazarene churches, but I, I didn't find any that that I was quite quite fit in with. So I started making the trek every Sunday right back here to Greenburn, Nazarene, almost an hour hour long drive because not only was it the church of my childhood, but it was the 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 denomination, the church that I really felt at home at. And I, I never really felt at home in in any of those other other churches in any of those other denominations. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's a lot of what I heard um, in Rob and in Nicole's story too. It was it was not only was it a familiar place to them, um, but it was something that drew them in. It was something that uh, kept calling back to them. So, what do you see? Um, and you talked a little bit about how, how you're involved in worship and you're involved with some other things. But what do you think? And and let's step back from the Church of the Nazarene a little bit because one thing that I'm trying to to really nail down and, and, and get to it at this podcast, is what can the church be doing better as we're faced with this kind of time period in, in America that we're faced with, where we see um, this, this kind of cultural shift away from the church, and some might call that a bad thing. I talked about it with Rob and with Nicole. I think that it could ultimately be a good and a, a fruitful thing and a healthy thing for the church but where do you see the church going? Like, what Where do you see the needs? Um, in, in our community, but just in, in general as well. Sure, and, and I'm sure it's going to sound like beating a dead horse a little bit because um, I, those conversations with Rob and Nicole were, were so good and uh, they had so many great, great insights and great things to say. But um, the thing that I think that at, in our local church and the church as a whole that we need more than anything is the ability to open up um, conversations between people, um, and, and we, we've done this for like years and years and years. This the church has been pushing like small groups, right? Right. We've been talking about small groups for years, trying to get people to do them. That's it's been really the fad, and I think that they that, that's a really good thing, right? That small groups were great, and they and they had a really good like uh, a really good place for a long time, yeah. but then we had the this covid happen right and no one was coming to church really they, if they were they was online they definitely weren't meeting in small groups right and so now we're coming back we're coming back we're coming out of it and i think that the small group model while that is the thing we're going for i think people might be tired of hearing the word small group yeah right they want to hear things like and maybe community group isn't a good word yeah. but like that's that's at the core what it is right small groups inside this Community church body where conversations can happen, and not just conversations where we're like, "Oh, here's what we talked about on Sunday," right? But conversations that, like, "Hey, man, I here's what I, I was reading the Bible the other day, and this made no sense to me." So this is this is something that uh, I, when I was listening back to Rob's episode when we aired it a couple weeks ago, this is something that I went back to. Like, there is a difference between a small group and a and a, and a community and a community and relationships right. that are forming. S- small and, groups, and sorry to cut you off, no. but small groups. The big flaw for small groups, every small group that I've been a part of, is that the conversation is so structured. Yes. Let's read. Let's read this passage. What do you get out of these three verses? Mm-hmm. And there's a time and a place for that kind of conversation, and there's a time and a place for for that. But that I think that the people who are left at church now, the people who are who are here after COVID, who are who are still striving for a closer relationship with God, a closer relationship. With the people that uh, that they are in in community with, they want so much more than read these three verses and tell me what you think about mm-hmm. it, right? They they want much deeper conversation than, than uh, Oh, we're reading this today. I hope you can get, gain some insight from it. No, and and where I was—that's exactly right. Because where I was going with um, what I was saying is that, um, and I've, I've seen this conversation just kind of around, um, but if you look at the the. The ministry of John Wesley—he already did this, and and I, I don't know how familiar you are with it, Hayden. Since you know you're not a pastor, but right. John Wesley, who is John Wesley? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Okay. But he had these these classes and bands that that would get together. That and what they were is these these small groups and the, these kind of these larger groups within within the church and within the church community, where there was true accountability, and it wasn't a, a small group excuse me, it, it wasn't a small group in the way, okay, we're going to come together and here's what John talked about, John Wesley talked about, here's the three points of his sermon, let's let's talk about the sermon a little bit. It was true accountability, like come confess your sins. Um, come confess your sins, let's talk about where God is moving in our lives, let's build true relationships, because I think if we're being, being honest with, with, with ourselves, um, and I think that's what we have to do in this cultural moment as Christians, we have to be honest with ourselves about about what we've been doing over the last you know 20, 20 or 100 years um, and what is working and what isn't. But if we're honest with ourselves, getting together and asking, okay, let's talk about the points of the sermon or let's, let's, let's talk about a book, even a book study, that is not building true relationships. Now, those things, now don't get me wrong because our church does it. Now, right. those things can build relationships. Well, and it's a starting point. It is. It, that's, it absolutely is a starting point. But um what, what the ultimate goal is is to build accountability, to to have a time of confession, to have a time of just kind of naming where God is moving in the midst of, of this community. Sure. And and, and I, I I mean I, I can't really add too much to that. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um and we started something in our in our local in our local church. I don't I can't remember, I don't think you've talked about it in with Rob or Nicole. Um that's called dinner groups. Yeah and you know you ask the whoop, I dropped something sorry if you heard that um, you ask the pastor here who's our dad and um, or <laughs> another pastor here who's you uh, ha, ha, what the feedback is from those community groups and they they, they tell you that they heard great things back now yeah. i a little bit think that you only hear people who are really pleased with them You're, the people who feel awkward at the, commun- at the these dinner groups aren't aren't going to tell you they feel awkward about them. but <laughs> right. but the stories that come out of those are are uh, stories of getting to know people that they never knew like yeah. like people that who maybe they went to different services they didn't even know they went to the same church right mm-hmm. maybe they they went to the same service and they sat right next to each other and they said hi to each other every single sunday yeah. but they didn't know anything about that person they didn't so, know anything about their story let me explain for for people who don't know what we're talking about who don't go to our church um uh, what, what we're talking about what we did is we had people sign up for these dinner groups and we would take eight people um, eight, eight individuals or four couples or however it kind of worked out and uh, We randomly selected these groups after they signed up It was just kind of putting them in a hat and drawing them out and you were committing to meeting once a month for four months so just four times with these uh, these people in this group, and there was no structure to it. There was nothing. There was nothing that was added. Like, okay, this is what you have to talk about. This is what you have to do. It was just get together, hopefully share a meal together, but most importantly, share time together and get to know each other. And that was that's what he's that's what Hayden's talking about. Um, and yeah, I think we have seen some positive. Like you said, the people who felt uncomfortable, they aren't going to tell us that. No, but they're just not going to sign up next time. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. That's good. Um, but one thing that that we do want to talk about um, always is and, and that's what the whole goal of this this whole podcast the millennial pastor podcast just overall is how do we improve the church going forward how do we break down stereotypes but how do we improve the, the church going forward and you jumped the gun a little bit at the beginning um, talking mm. about some talking about uh, laity being involved in the denomination as a whole yeah I wanted to make sure I brought that up yeah I figured <laughs> out because I could tell that's a that's a hot topic with you but let's go back to it. Um, because I, I want to talk about that. Um, one thing that I, I have noticed in our church, specifically, is that the lay people are, are pretty disconnected from the denomination. And I, I want to say that sometimes that's a good thing, because when we have things that are going on on a denominational level, um, the local congregation is somewhat unaware of that, and you can just focus on what's going on in your local church. How, how are you serving your local community? But in other ways, I think I think our, our laity, our, our lay people, really miss out on that connection, that worldwide that worldwide community that the Church of the Nazarene, in a denomination, even that if it's not the Church of the Nazarene, can offer. So talk a little bit more about that. Sure. And this is something that I've, I've been struggling with recently, and I'll tell you what brought it up. What brought it up was uh, jealousy, uh, because I remember growing up as a pastor's kids, we were... Uh, Not only were we in church every single Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, um, but we went to every single... Uh, district assembly that there was like <laughs> yeah. every single one and, and like I, at, growing up like at, at first you know as kids that that can kind of be boring right especially when it's stretched out it used to be stretched out over four days I know. and <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy uh, I'm glad they don't do that anymore but but I really grew to love that and what I really grew to love was getting to know people in the district right the people outside my church um, and as as you kind of grow up you get into the youth group there's you've got uh, district teen camp district uh, teen retreats in one I see. You've got all these different ways that you meet people across the district and, and, and get to know these people. And then we're like, you, you maybe there's some things that you do in college, but at least in, in our context where we're at, you graduate college and you enter the workforce. And like the th- what you hear about the district is you hear the the annual report that the pastor gave the district the Sunday after or the Sunday before he gets back from district assembly. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and then maybe every now and then you get an update from the like the global denomination. Something maybe they play a video or something like that. But that's it. Like, there's uh, there's really no opportunity that 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 I can see to to really interact with with people like across the district. Now I still have great friends from growing up and from just being a part of of this church and this district for so long. I've got great friends uh, across the district. But for somebody who's just joining the church, like, what, uh, great. The Greenbriar Church of Nazarene is a part of the North Arkansas District. Cool. Yeah. And the biggest thing that we have to bring the district together, district assembly, is on three weekdays. <laughs> we are going to get into that because that, <laughs> we won't get into that too much because we don't want to poke holes. But a lot of districts do have their theirs on, on weekdays, and sometimes that's not not as accessible. Um, but it is a lot easier for pastors, right? Know? It's it's yeah. and I understand it. it's a lot easier for pastors. But in, in, in that's the whole point of district assembly. It's getting the business of the of the district done. I completely understand that. But if that's the only thing you're doing as a district to bring people together and you're having a, during the work week. Like, of course, the only people who are going to show up are going to be people who can who can either afford to take PTO, who are pastors, or don't... Now, now wait a second. Now, I'm a pastor, so I don't know what PTO stands for. Right. It stands for personal time off. <laughs> right. Right. But it's it, for you, it's the days that aren't Sunday and Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Gotcha. gotcha. I'm just kidding. I know only pastors listen to this, so... Uh, and probably my mom this time, so... <laughs> Well, um, no, I I understand that, and and I don't want it to sound like we're picking like we're picking on our district. Um, Hayden might be, but I'm I'm still employed by church on the North Arkansas district. Um, so, but w- there's definitely things that we could do to open up some opportunities to make that connection uh, a little bit more um, a little bit more feasible, and to, uh, just more. And I think about our church how plugged in our church is to district stuff mm-hmm. and so to see like to see, to see okay it's it's possible for someone to be a part of our church and not know anything about the district i just think about some other churches that may not be as plugged in on the district may not have the district secretary as a senior pastor, may not have people um, on the NYI council and on the board of ministry. Um, and, and that, that disconnection could only get worse from kind of where, where our church is in the sure. situation and, that we're in. And I know, I know it sounded sound like I'm harping on it. And I really, I love our district. I love everybody at our district. I, everybody that I know from this district, I love and hold, and hold dear to my heart. Um, but, you know, we talked about community earlier. Like if, if, should, yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. We want to build community in our local local congregation. But then, like, how much more powerful would it be for us to build this community in our in our local church, right? And then right here where we are in Greenboro. Yeah. and then also be able to say that community. I I know not only do, are they telling me that it extends to the rest of the North Arkansas district. I know people like I have relationships with people who across the state that are also Nazarenes that are part of the North Arkansas District, and I'm not only my in community with the people in my local church, I'm in community with them, right? Yeah. And then we we personally talk a lot about, and and we talk a lot here at our church about the uh, like like the individuality of people and how it's really hard to get people to to talk to each other and connect with each other and, and breaking down walls, right? How much in how much easier is it then to like get someone to who who now feels in community with their local church with their local district to then feel in community with the Nazarene in Africa? Yeah, you know, feel like that like we are a part of the same. Not only are we part of the same denomination, but we are part of the same like community. We mm-hmm. are brothers and sisters. We we say we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but. You know how how much how how hard is that for me in Greenbrier if I don't know anybody outside of my church? Yeah. How hard is that to vi- visualize somebody in Africa as as my brother or sister? Well, and it's funny, and, and we'll we'll move on after this. Um, we don't want to harp on this too long, but it's it's funny that our, our youth and our kids. Ministries that are part of the Church of the Nazarene do this a lot better than our adults do. Yeah, they do it a lot better um, because our I think of all the the events that the youth have, and not even not even on a district level with camps and retreats, but you think about NYC. Yeah, like um, think about when we went to NYC, like. Forty-five years ago, I'm just kidding. We went to the first uh, Louisville, Kentucky one. It does feel like forty-five years. Yeah. ago. <laughs> but uh, when we went to NYC, we met people from across the country and and became friends with them. And I remember, you know, people from our youth group met and started dating people from yeah. across the country. Uh, I, I don't, you know, we won't go too yeah, much into yeah. that. But you know, like like there was an opportunity for the the youth of of the nazarene church to come together and make a community and i just noticed that we're not recording on our other recording device no oh, i hope this other one sounds good yeah well um, and, and and to touch on nyc and and i've been thinking a lot about nyc lately because it's coming up next year right yeah, we've got yeah. another we've got another nyc coming up um and i've been reflecting a lot on, on my time there but not only like do you have that opportunity but like the uh, Snoo region used to have, and maybe oh, still do. They still do, <laughs> they still do. <laughs> have extravaganza. I'm involved with our youth group. You think I would know that? But, um, <laughs> but they have extravaganza, which is an opportunity for teens across the region yeah, to come right. in and get to know each other. And, and you know, kids from Arkansas get to hang out with kids from Oklahoma and Texas, and and uh, all across the Snoo region. Well, and I, I want to say too that this this um, not to paint it as a as a fault of our of our of our district or as the denomination. Because there are those opportunities to to get out, you know. I think about not only district assembly, but um, like there's different field revivals and and conferences and 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 retreats and things like that. Um, but we just may not do a very good job of of allowing that opportunity. Now I think about you know like our women's retreat that's coming up in just a that's few true. in just a few weeks. Like like um, we just maybe maybe and that's something that we push hard, but may not be there. May be other things out there that we just don't allow. Um, that churches in general just don't really allow their people to get in in contact with. Sure, and, and I I'm a hundred percent understand that more than likely, like there's just there's stuff that I've not been told about, right? I mean, yeah. That's happening, right? right. And, and and I'm sure someone's listening here from I don't know Arizona, I don't know. It was like, man, we our district's so connected, we, we have so many things going on. How, how could you be missing it? And and it's possible that, that I, I just am, but I've really felt it on on my heart lately. Um, that, that if we're, if we are like this global community and, and a district community and these regional communities, um, well, it's field now, it's field. Sure. It's field. But it's a community, yeah, yeah. <laughs> field, field communities. Uh, see, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody told me, but if we are these communities, you know, what why don't? Why doesn't someone who's as plugged in as I am, not to toot my own horn, why don't I see those opportunities? And if I don't, for sure, the people that just started coming here last year don't. Yeah, no, absolutely, I get that. So let's move on um, from that conversation. And so we've talked a little bit about small, about not small groups, but building community within the church. We've talked about expanding that community within the denomination as a whole. Um, but just as just going forward, what do you think? That the church is is missing out on, and this was something that I put in the notes I sent to you. But I I asked this of of Rob and of Nicole. But what what would if you were a pastor, um, and and just kind of imagine for a second, what would your philosophy of ministry be? Yeah, I thought about this. I couldn't really come up with a good answer. Yeah, <laughs> I only had like two and a half hours. No, oh, I didn't have a week. Goodness. But the uh, no and you know that this is near and dear to my heart I've been trying my hardest for the past three and a half years to, to get to get this going via you know small groups or, or the bible stu- occasional bible study or now the, the group that 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 i I'm a part of but um teaching people how to read the bible is absolutely 100 like that is my that is my life goal. If if I could just like teach well, one person read the Bible read well. Read the Bible well. <laughs> just read the Bible. Yeah. You know, start there, but, but teaching them and I wouldn't even add well, teach them how to read the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. teach them like what what is the Bible? What is the Old Testament? Like, what what actually is it? How was it written? You know, and 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 how should we approach the Word of God? Right, the right this inspired Word of God. How should we approach it in the daily devotionals that we tell them that they should be having every single day? Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it, it, we we tell them go read your Bible, and then we're, we hope they get the right things out of it. You know, yeah. Um that's just that's been something that's been on on my heart for for the past several years. So, yeah. how do we do that? Well, that's a great question. How do we teach people that way? Yeah. I think the first thing that we do is we show them the way that we show them the way. Sorry. I think the first way we do that is we show them the beauty of Scripture that they might be missing out of mm. if they're just reading one verse at a time. Mm-hmm. Or if they're just reading one chapter at a time. Yeah. Um, I recently, last week, did a uh, did a Bible study here at, here at our, at, our, at our church on a Wednesday night of of the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, which holy cow, what a horrible book to try to do a Bible study on. Yeah, But it's so, if you just take <laughs> time with it and you read all all 12 chapters and then you read like one chapter at a time and then you read all 12 chapters again, how much beauty is hidden inside that book? Mm-hmm. But if you're just on your, you know, 90 day through the Bible reading plan or uh, Bible in one year reading plan and you're just trying to check that box, just I read the Bible, you're totally going to miss out on it. Yeah. And so that the first, I think that's the first way is, is we, we show them like how beautiful it is, and that can be through sermons, it can be through Bible studies, through, through teachings. How beautiful it is, and then we—I'm sitting here looking at the a book called *The Blue Parakeet* by Scott McKnight on your desk. Yeah, we give them, uh, we give them resources like that book or other books that then teach them how they can read them that, so that, that way. I, I I had a really interesting conversation. But first, real quick. But yeah, first, it's no. important that you have to show them how. What they might be missing out of, so that it piques their interest. Yep. They will not be motivated to read anything you put in front of them if you don't show them the a beauty they might be missing out on. So let me. Last night, I, I I did our Wednesday night Bible study. Last night, I listened to it. Yeah, uh, and and it went okay. <laughs> Short. <laughs> yep. It was but i had somebody that you know i was talking about about this exact same question about how how we read the bible it's it's a conversation that our church has been having over the last several months really kind of together um and i had someone that came up to me afterwards and that they said i i love i would love to to find the beauty that you're talking about in scripture i just don't know where to look and and she was saying to me she she said uh she said, you know, like to get the uh, to get the background of, of Paul's theology and what, what he's writing, I don't even she said, I don't even know where to look. Right. I don't even know where to look to get the information of where I can find the context of 1 of Timothy. Right. Um, well, and, and the bad thing is, like, you send them off on Google. Yeah, they like, can find anything. They can literally anything. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast. I'm not going to say that. I was, listening to, well, I was listening to a podcast somebody recommended to me, to me today, and they were like, man, it, it's so good. And I, I was listening to it, I was just thinking, holy cow. Like, they, they just found this, and it said the word God. Yeah. And they then now they're like, this is the truth, yep. you know? yep, yep. And and so in some ways we have to not only we have to not only like show them the beauty, but we have to also have to resource them so that they know they know where to look. And that is something like I've been thinking about that ever since she said that to me last night, and that is something that I just don't know how to do. And and here's why, is because like if someone asks me a question about Galatians or, or or Genesis or whatever, I can come. I can say if I don't know the know the answer off the top of my head, which it's highly likely that I do not. Oh, they they don't they don't give you doctorates if you <laughs> can't do that. Do they? they must. Weird. They actually do. But if I don't know the answer off the top of my head, I can go back to my back to my uh, my office or study, and I, I can find a book that probably has that answer in because I know the commentaries. That the Wesleyan commentaries that I, I I trust and go to to find that information, um, but I don't know how to say uh, how to resource people without saying, "Hey, spend a few thousand dollars on a few books, right? But build a library, yeah, and then then ask that question again, exactly." Well, and I, honestly, it is it is I consider it to be just like one of God's like blessings, mercies, graces, whatever you want to call it on me that that I happened upon a few podcasts right as soon as I got out of college that piqued my interest in like what the bible could be mm-hmm. because had I, had I not just happened upon like someone randomly recommended one one time and I just dove all in and like from that one podcast it 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 sprouted off all these books I could read right to learn more about these topics or more podcasts to listen to and just this this now four or five years of me just being like in love with Scripture and learning more about it and, and seeing the beauty in it. If that one person would have recommended that podcast to me, I have no idea what my life would have. Yeah. Like, what like what what would I be like as a person, like as a, as a church member, as a, as a lay person, had I had that one person not recommended that podcast, right? You know, and, and so I, and it was the Millennial Pastor Podcast it, that they. Recommended. You know, actually, it, that hadn't started yet, but, <laughs> but you know, really, it wasn't. It, I, I found the Millennial Pastor Podcast, and I came to Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've heard that story from a lot of people. I'm, yeah. I'm glad mm-hmm. that we could we could that Josiah could, yeah. could lead you to the Lord like that. That's right. I, I appreciate no, I appreciate Josiah and, and what he's done with this podcast, and, and I have really been listening to this for a long time, and and I appreciate the conversations that have been had. But um, one thing I do, I did want to touch on for for me, it was somebody recommending a podcast, right? For you, it was like getting a master's degree, yep. and then getting you a doctorate, right yep. through, through um, Nazarene schools. Yep. Like you wouldn't have all these books; like you bought half these books for classes, yep, and yep. read them for classes. And and with, actually, Britt talked. I, I told you I would listen to these podcasts. Britt talked about this a little bit in in some of her podcasts as well. The um, and it's I think it, I think it's slowly diminishing, but the the line that was drawn between like a local church and and the the highly educated like yeah. professors yeah. like in the the nineties and early aughts and it's still happening I'm, I'm I'm sure today like today in in some cases, but that line like we know like the people who are like writing these books and reading these books and, and like writing homework assignments about these books and the people who are like butts in pews on sundays are mm-hmm. very yeah, often not the same people. I well, out. I know that Josiah said that <laughs> cuz I listen to it. But they they're like they're they're often not the same people and they don't interact with each other. And so how right. how do we take this 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 education that that like built a library of books for you and, and this one like instance where I found a podcast that that set me off on years of, of, of study and, and, and love of scripture how do we give that to people why well, I think we just like like what we're doing in our local church right now we just give them a book you know mm-hmm. we, we we inspire them with the beauty of scripture they might be missing out on and when they ask man I don't know how like, I don't know how to find that beauty. I don't know what I need to do to learn this. Then we can say, you know what? Try reading this and let me know what you think. And if they come back next week and they're like, I got three pages into that. And N.T. Wright, I can't understand a single word that he's saying. <laughs> if, if they come back, then maybe we say, okay, let me find you another book. And we keep we keep doing that. Either until they quit asking for them, they quit returning our books, or they start asking for more. Right? Yeah. Well, and on some of this, and you you said it exactly right when you were talking about um, that it was the grace of God that you were led to this podcast. And I don't want to use it as a pop, as a cop out, but on on some level, and I I truly believe this that God's grace does lead people to that point. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And and what I've seen, and and I love to have these conversations. Um, is is people will whether it's their first the first time that they've even opened the bible or the, the first time they're having an experience with it or they're just looking to go deeper like god leads them to start asking the right questions sure and um <laughs> I just want to be able to know how to answer that question without saying, "Hey, if you go get a master's degree in theology, then you'll have you'll then know. You'll, then, then you'll, you'll know." know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and the sad thing is, even then, like yeah, you know, right. But so maybe it is. Maybe it's. And I'm a I'm a software engineer, so I can't like I don't open questions without answers are a problem for me. I can't. I can't. So I'm going to find an answer to this question for this podcast is over. But maybe, maybe the the answer to that is. We present them, and I, I'm, I'm stuck on this. I think that I'm, I'm stuck here. We present them with the beauty of Scripture; they might be missing out on. We 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 try to inspire them. With that, and say, look at that! Look how beautiful Ecclesiastes can be if you if you just search for it. And then whenever they come and ask a question like, "I wish I could find that beauty. I wish I could learn how to do that," say, "Hey, go read the thing we just talked about and find this thing. Like, go go read through the twelve chapters of Ecclesiastes and find the thing we talked about. Mm-hmm. Like, go find that beauty there." Like learn how to learn how to find the thing because someone already told you it was there. Like, yeah, go looking for the needle in the haystack with a map to the needle. Yep. And then once you follow that, once you figured that out, then let's then we're off to the races. You yep. know, it's it's maybe it's just a step by step at that point. And that's an oversimplification, I'm sure. But no, but to tie it into to talk about God's grace and then what we talked about at the beginning, um, just just uh, several minutes ago about community. The great thing about it. Is that, and I talked about this last night, um, is that we, and, and he talks about it, Scott McKnight talks about it in this Blue Parakeet book that you just pointed out. Um, the, the great thing about the Bible is that we don't have to, and we weren't supposed to read it by ourselves. Oh, absolutely. And so... Uh, and, or are we supposed to read it? Listen to it. Yeah. Being read aloud in, that's in a, a great community point. of people. Yeah. And so, and that's exactly right. It, it was made to, it was, it was so many of these books were written to be read aloud and then to be discussed and to be, to be talked about and then to, to form a people, a community together while they were there. And I think where, where we've gotten stuck, and this is, I, I try not to prescribe things, but I think where we've gotten stuck, and I, I talked about it with Rob and I'm pretty sure I talked about it with Nicole, but where we've gotten stuck is that we've decided that we need to read the Bible by ourselves. Yeah. Well, we've decided we have had to do life by ourselves. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely read the Bible by yeah. ourselves. Yeah. We, we've got to, you know, we got to wake up and. Four thirty in the morning, and we got to sit down in front of the fire, and we have got to read for an hour before we right. start getting ready. Mm-hmm. And then and we got to think about that and try to apply it to our lives. And then we go to work, mm-hmm. you know. And John, John that, Wesley took communion every morning. Before well, okay. Well, maybe I need to. Start, I still don't know who he is. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but but no, we've been we've been teaching, and yes, that is an absolute. That is absolutely important. Like a one on one time with God is is important. But I think I, I'm getting all my. I, all my things confused no, now no, no. i'm pretty sure you talked about it yesterday but um yesterday in your wednesday night sermon but not only like are we supposed to have that individual relationship with god but we're supposed to have a community relationship as well yeah where and and, and where we're not only reading scriptures together maybe we're listening to, to someone read scriptures together and then taking time to discuss them so well, and here's and the, the, I, I love this i love this language And I've been dancing around it for so long, just the past several months. I've been dancing around this language for so long, and I don't think I've just said it out loud in front of people. But I'm so grateful that you've chosen me. You are welcome. Well, and everyone, all four people listening to this podcast. (laughs) That's exactly right. No, we've got more than that, that's for sure. Um, But we are not saved individually, we are saved in community, Mm. we are saved as a community. And that's something that uh, the Protestants have gotten wrong for a long time. And um, when we listen to the Bible, when we read the Bible together in community, that's just one aspect of being saved together. And I'm going to go back to this again. This is the third time, third episode of the podcast. This is the third time I'm going back to it. But that's what it means to have the kingdom of God right here among us, is to be saved in community, to, to look around at, at the world around us, whether it's Greenbrier or whether it's... Um, it's it's Belleville or wherever it, wherever it is, and to say this is the kingdom of God, these people around me are 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 a part of the kingdom of God. Well, that's I mean that's wholly biblical. You look at uh, you look at the the uh, the ministry of Paul. What's he doing? He's going around like sure we, we call it church planning now, <laughs> but he's he's going around building communities, right? And yeah. and I mean building these these uh these all things all people too. Right, right. Yeah. And he's he's building these communities where people can discuss, right? And they can they can talk about talk about um God, they can talk about the things Paul's saying. He even uh, he even encourages us uh, them to disagree with him, right? To to go to find find scripture and look to see if he's wrong and disagree with him and 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 show it to him, right? And to have these conversations. Jesus is you look at the Book of Luke. Jesus is in community everywhere he goes. Like mm-hmm. very only a few times, and it's it's always important when he does this. Does he leave and go somewhere by himself? Right. It's it's in, the only time he does that is if it's if it's an important moment in the story. The rest of the time he is surrounded by community. Yep. No, that's good stuff. Well, I don't really know how to wrap this up, other than to say. Well, you are supposed to start it by asking me if I like avocado toast, <laughs> or if I if I put more in in uh, in coffee than I do in retirement. Yeah. And, uh, so let, let's go ahead. We'll play a little. Okay. We'll play a little game. How millennial um, are you? How millennial are you? Just to throw back to Josiah. Um, so do you? How much avocado toast do you? Eat? I. None. It's very yeah. difficult to well, find ripe avocados yeah. in Greenbrier, Arkansas. Believe yeah. it or not, we have two stores, neither of which are known for their ripe avocados. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'll ask you the question he asked me. Have you ever watched a YouTube video to learn how to trim your beard? No. And I probably should because yeah. I, it gets a little rough sometimes. <laughs> but I have not. And I've actually listened to all the questions he's asked, uh, and I am not very millennial. Yeah. So you put more in retirement than coffee then? Yes, uh, but he is asking pastors that. <laughs> oh, low blow. <laughs> so, Come on. You guys, well, that's not to say anything about our time. You guys live on coffee, but <laughs> so do software engineers. Low blow. <clears throat> okay, well, we will wrap it up. Uh, let me ask you, what what kind of things are you excited about? Um, just what kind of things are you excited about, um, not only in the church, but uh, for this podcast coming up? Just what does what God, how is he moving in your life, and, and what does he have you excited about right now? Well, I'm really excited. Um, I, we've recently started, and I, you, and I have had nothing to do with this, which is, makes it even better because um, I feel like I've I've been trying to start something for so long, and now somebody else is starting it, and I get to be a part of it, and I'm excited yeah. about it. Oh, absolutely! Um, but an actual community of of, of people, of, of friends here in our church, where we can we can have. Uh, d- hard discussions about the bible and 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 a space where we don't have to agree with everybody and Mm -hmm. we can we can talk about the bible we can talk about how we interpret uh parts of scripture whole parts of scripture and uh, and really have some real conversations it's the first time that i've actually wanted to be in a small group for longer than 45 minutes And so that's really exciting, uh, and, and I, I'm, it's it's been a blessing so far. I'm excited to see it go forward. But I mean, I'm excited to also talk to uh, the 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 pastors, the actual pastors that are going to be on the rest of this podcast to to, uh, to 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 get with them, hear what they're doing, special in their community, and and uh, hear how God's moving in 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 each of their churches. Because uh, if we don't have conversations like this, conversations that happen on the Millennial Pastor Podcast, and conversations like we're going to be having with with other pastors, like it's, we're, we're just up to our own devices. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're we're just here trying to, to to build a community, doing whatever it is we can think of. Which I mean, I, I would I would l- we would love to steal Nicole's idea for that community garden. Oh my gosh! Like that would be I awesome. No, that would be so great. I, I think they could be. I'm i may, I may push to, for us to steal that because I may just do it in my house. You know, I don't know. That 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 is a great idea. And, and getting yeah. to hear uh, unique and special things that other other pastors are that, that pastors are doing across the denomination. And, oh no, though I mean and, the reason that I'm doing this is so I can steal all their ideas. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, it's 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 like free idea generation. That's so. exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and and you get to talk to some people. We don't we don't always get to talk to. So. Yeah, Yeah. Well, thank you for being on this episode. Thank you for agreeing to help help interview the next few pastors. We will be back at it next week um, at uh, on Wednesday. I think they're dropping at midnight now on Wednesday or Tues Tuesday nights at midnight instead of Wednesdays at noon. So we will see you on the next episode, episode four of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Thanks, everybody.
1: Since we love millennials so much on this podcast, we thought it would be appropriate to promote our fellow millennial authors. Here's one now. Hello, everyone. My name is Hank Spaulding. I am the author of the forthcoming book, Iconoclastic Sex, Christian Sexual Ethics, and Human Trafficking, In this book, um, I look at the complex subject of Christian sexual ethics, which is all the rage in all the churches uh, in the world right now. Uh, But I do it from a unique perspective. I look at it from a a group who has been deeply impacted by sexuality uh, in our present world and throughout world history, namely those who have been trafficked, um, survivors of trafficking. And I do a study where I ask them about their lives and how they have been shaped and formed by church and non-church culture and approaches to sexuality, but I also explore those who have grown up under traditional uh, evangelical purity culture teachings of um, sexual ethics and ask them also about their experiences in order to see if there's anything that connects these groups. Uh, There is, and I will let you uh, find that out um, if you read the book, Um, but I also use the metaphor of iconoclasm as a means to help uh, deal with the problems that come from and arise from that study. Iconoclasm is a word that just basically means uh, the defamation of idols, and what that means is obviously just the removal and destruction of certain idolatry that we prefer uh, over and against the very love of God. And by doing that, uh, I take a hold and and pull down the idols and images that keep us from promoting a truly just and loving sexual ethic um, that is theologically robust yet ethically practical. And, and talk about the virtues and uh, the things that make Christian sexual ethics such a powerful uh, manifestation of the gospel. And so I hope you'll check it out. Uh, if you'd like to support the project as it is still uh, going through its uh, study phase, uh, there is a wonderful Kickstarter that I have uh, made to raise money to help me pay for um, the the interview. Uh, I need to pay the women who are participating in the study, but also the people who are doing the interviews and doing the coding who have graciously volunteered to help. So you can check that out on Kickstarter. Just look up uh, Purity Culture and Human Trafficking uh, Study, and you'll find my page, uh, and hopefully there will be a link also here that you can check out. Thanks, everyone. Support this author and our podcast by clicking the link in the description. Thank you.
0: The Millennial Pastor Podcast was created and produced by Byron Certain and Josiah Jones. This season's guest host is Hunter Thrasher. Our editor is Caden Barksdale. And original music was done by Andrew Jones. This podcast is part of the Millennial Pastor Podcasting Network. For more podcasts like it, please visit themillennialpastor.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to rate, review, and
1: subscribe so you can join us on the next episode of the Millennial Pastor Podcast.